And we begin with Newstalk ZB's UK correspondent talking about Theresa May's resignation. So this is coming through on the 7th of June. And Ender Brady, who's in the UK, spoke with David Cameron, the former British PM. How was that chat, Ender? Uh, quite fascinating, actually. I found him at home in Oxfordshire. I live in Oxfordshire and he's just up the road from me. So I went for a drive and we had a conversation and he agreed to do an interview. And it was really, really interesting because he's the only person in the country, really, who knows exactly how she's feeling, having had to come out and do that statement and then head back in and see your family and then drive away from Number 10 Downing Street and never be Prime Minister again. And I have to say, he's looking healthy, happy, enjoying his life. He's writing a book. Life goes on, but I'm not sure right now, 24 hours later, Theresa May will be seeing us in quite the same way as he does. We had a discussion about this yesterday, um, about the, the best day of your life is when you become the Prime Minister, and the I, I wondered whether uh, the second best day for Theresa May might, in fact, uh, be the day she resigned. It's been a really long, hard slog, hasn't it? Uh, it has. It's been an unpleasant slog. I mean, I can't think of one uplifting moment uh, you know, save for the wedding of Prince Harry that the country has had in the last few years, and she wasn't even invited to that. Let's be honest here. You know, let's look at the Grenfell Tower disaster. She was Prime Minister overseeing that, and whoever the rights and wrongs of whatever happened on that terrible night when 70-plus people died in a tower in an inferno in the richest city in Western Europe, her government presided over that. And a lot of her critics on social media here are pointing out that there was tears at the end of the speech, but they were for herself. There weren't any tears when she was at Grenfell, people are saying. So it has been a deeply difficult few years as Prime Minister. And I guess she looked back on it and wonder what she could have done differently or how it could have ended better. I get the sense that in New Zealand, there are people who feel sorry for her, even if they were not in favour of her policies and were very much in the Remain camp. I don't get the sense that that same sentiment exists in the UK. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, that's precisely fair, boys, because people here, you know, they want to see a little bit of a human being behind the suit, behind the Prime Minister. And, you know, I'm not going to say this purely because I'm on air in New Zealand. You had an awful tragedy, and we saw your Prime Minister come out and show humanity, emotion, intelligence, empathy. And these are qualities that we, you know, I'm struggling to think of any similar situation where Theresa May has shown such leadership. She has banged her head against a brick wall banging on about her version of Brexit, and it has been roundly rejected time and time and time again, and yet she was preparing to come back for round four with the exact same agreement. So people here haven't really kind of enjoyed having her as Prime Minister, let's be honest. Did David Cameron give any sort of insight as to where she might have gone wrong? Well, his view is that the people who wanted Brexit inside the Conservative Party wouldn't vote for it. And he laid the blame squarely at the, the feet of other people in the party. Uh, he refused to criticise her. And I think he's, he's dignified. You know, I, yeah. I asked him about who will be the next leader. He said, I'm not getting drawn into that. He said, I'm doing this interview just to pay tribute to Theresa and to wish her well. Uh, of course, he went to school with Boris Johnson. And they've always been friends and rivals in only the way that, you know, 
um, 12-year-old boys who met at Eton College and ended up at university and ended up, ended up running the country can be friends and rivals. But make no mistake, Boris Johnson is now in pole position. Well, that was going to be my next question, which you've uh, taken out of, out of my mouth. I saw a headline <laughs> on, on another news channel saying the scrum for the leadership uh, begins. But um, how likely is it that um, that Boris is going to be the front runner? And do you think, because Brexit hasn't been concluded, he always thought he was going to be um, coming in after it's concluded, but now he's in the hot seat. So what do you reckon his thoughts are on it? Well, I think Boris will absolutely, if he gets the job, he will absolutely want to drive Brexit over the line and be seen as being a stronger Prime Minister than Theresa May was and and ultimately a better one than Cameron was. You know, Boris is a deeply ambitious man. Two things. This is how it works out now. So the Conservative MPs will whittle down however many people throw their hat in the ring. If there's seven, for example, they will vote. Only the MPs will vote to begin with, and seven will become six, will become five, all the way down to two. There will be two names put on a ballot, and that ballot will be posted out to every single member of the Conservative Party in the United Kingdom. So the membership will vote on the final two. The feeling is, Boris has quite a few enemies inside Parliament. There will be a big anyone but Boris campaign to get him off the ballot because they know that if it goes out to the membership, Boris is absolutely adored out in the country and he will win. If he gets to the final two, the feeling is Boris will be PM. So then what's the strategy as far as people who want a second referendum and as far as, say, Jeremy Corbyn is concerned? Right, well, on the second referendum, Boris won't be having any of that whatsoever. He will go out of his way to avoid a second referendum, that's for sure, possibly because he knows that the country's still fractured, it would be very divisive, and there is quite a significant possibility that the 49% might become 52 in favour of actually remaining. So let's see what happens there, but Boris won't be offering that if he can help us. And then in terms of Jeremy Corbyn, I think... If it was a different Labour leader, you would be saying that if there's a general election after the new leader comes in as Prime Minister, if it was a different Labour leader, someone with charisma and popularity (laughs) and likability, you would be saying that they would be heading into number 10 Downing Street. Absolutely. Unfortunately, Jeremy Corbyn has as many critics out there as Theresa May had. Now, just one final question. With with Boris being the frontrunner, who is his nearest rival? Well, Jeremy Hunt is the Foreign Secretary. He was Health Secretary. He is a very clever man. He is well-spoken. He delivers his stuff intelligently. Jeremy Hunt, I think, will make quite a candidate. Then you've got others in the mix as well. There's Andrea Leadsom. She was leader of the House of Commons. She quit the other night. Um, She was a May loyalist and ran against Theresa May a few years ago. But her problem is when she was running against Theresa May and it got down to the last two, um, she gave an interview saying that she would make a better prime minister because she's had children. (laughs) <laughs> pointing out that Theresa May had oh and that killed her hopes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> clang. You just pick that up off the ground, and that's still every time there is an interview or an article about her, the fact that she thinks having kids makes you a better prime minister. Um, yeah, let's see. But I, I think it'll be between Boris and someone like Jeremy Hunt. But they may well want to have a woman on the ballot just to make it look as if they care. Always a pleasure having you on the programme. Thank you so much. News Talks Airbnb's UK correspondent, Ender Brady. And we'll talk again another time. Take care. Definitely, boys. All the best.